I like podcasts. They're comfy and easy to wear. This is episode 52 of Insert Credit. I'm Alex Jaffe, and the first time I consulted a strategy guide was to find a golden scultula in the Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Oh, man. Oh, uh, well, my name is Frank Cifaldi, and the first time that I consulted a strategy guide was undoubtedly an issue of Nintendo Power. Um, and I would imagine it probably had something to do with that Ninja Turtle sewer level. Oh uh, man, that one. I'm Brandon Sheffield. Those are some barking dogs that you could probably hear. Shandon Brefield. Um, and my first time consulting a strategy guide was probably. I mean, do 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 video game helplines count? They sure do. They count. Did you double. ever you called a video game helpline? No, but I, I was I was making I was working on working on felt like work. I was trying to get through Monkey Island two, I think, with a rich friend, and we got stuck, and he decided to call them. Uh, I don't know if that counts. The first time I consulted a strategy guide myself was probably um, to locate something in the final dungeon of East Book two on the on the Turbo graphics. Do you remember the Monkey Island puzzle? Um, it was something with that dang three-headed monkey. What was like taking something from me or something dumb? I forget. It was probably the monkey you were supposed to hypnotize with the banana on the metronome. I think it was something, something like That's that. That's where everyone metronome. got stuck. The metronome. Uh, my name is Tim Rogers, and I had issues of Nintendo Power that I looked at without owning the games for many years before I even owned that many games. So we, we had a... We, somehow my big brother got a Nintendo Power subscription before we even had a Nintendo. And, uh, well, no, no, we had a Nintendo, but before we had any games or access to a shop that rented them. So that's that. But the first time I ever really looked at a map for a game was Video Games and Computer Entertainment's Legend of Zelda uh, Adventure of Link guide. Yeah, I had this friend who for years would always purchase the strategy guide with whatever video game he was playing and would read through the entire strategy guide before he played. That makes a lot of sense. I've got this this Shin Megami Tensei 4 here, and uh, I was so impressed with how the box felt exactly... Frank, you're going to like this. Felt mm-hmm. exactly like a SquareSoft Super Nintendo box. It's like the exact same size mm-hmm. and like the same weight and everything. That uh, I kept the shrink wrap on it the way I do. I did for my old Super Nintendo games, just so I can put the the D the three DS case back in here and feel it. But it has a strategy guy right. that I have not looked at yet, and I don't think I will because I'm not a loser. It also has uh, no. Regular manual. Oh yeah, that's cool. It's got Wait, a, this, It's got the soundtrack in there. What is it this? Does, yeah. It has. Oh, the soundtrack. It's not the whole soundtrack. Nah, I reckon not. Why not give me the whole thing? I can I can handle the whole thing. Put this back in here. So okay. the way this works is I'm gonna ask you a bunch of questions. You have six minutes to uh, come up with an uh, intelligent response or at least intelligent. <laughs> And uh, then we go on to a lightning round, and that's it for the week. But first, because Frank won last week's show, he, uh-huh. gets, to, uh, he gets to introduce our inaugural topic. 
Okay, so uh, while you guys are talking a lot and boring me, um, I went to the video game name generator Yeah. and uh, pulled up some pretty good titles, and I think we're going to spend a few minutes... Well, first of all, we're going to spend about a minute debating which one we're going to design, and then we're going to design a game based on one of these. You guys ready to hear our choices? Ready. Yes. Yeah, let's okay. do it. Death-defying driving boxing. Oh man, driving boxing. Well, That's pretty keep, that, good. keep that one in mind. Uh, Death defying driving boxing. You can, you can write these down if you have to, or, or if you have a good memory, you don't have to write them down. It's fine. So if the game is death defying, then it needs to have that whole uh, slow motion when you're almost about to die, like when a bullet is approaching you, it goes Tim, into auto Tim, you're time. designing a game. You're designing a game, and it's not. I'm not designing it. it. I'm just trying <laughs> to decide which one we want to design. Sure. So okay, choice number two. Fiery Vegetarian 25th Anniversary Edition. I'm not inspired sense. by that one. Yeah, that, nah. doesn't, that doesn't sound good. Number three, Teenage Farm in the Outback. You can't mm. have a farm in the Outback. Well, Bushmen. And then we can we can eliminate that. That's fine. And finally, number four, Children of the Jet Ski Smuggler. Oh boy. Children of the Jet Ski, uh, Ski Smuggler could definitely be a, an RPG. Mm-hmm. So my vote is for Death Defying Driving Boxing. Yeah, I would do Death Defying Driving Boxing. Sure, let's do that. Yeah, that okay. sounds like the most exciting one. So, so Tim, it sounded, like, it sounded like you had some ideas. Go ahead. Yeah, okay, so again, it has to go into bullet time whenever you, there's a close call because that's how you defy death. Because right. that's, that's how you're actually defying death. And then if it's if it's driving boxing, there should be boxing gloves on the on headlights. The cars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think the that's headlights should be clear. big glowing boxing gloves. Yes. I, I was thinking that it's like a destruction derby, but every car has a big uh has a giant boxing glove on the front of it. So I don't think uh I don't think destruction derby is the way to go because um I think death defying to me makes it feel like, well maybe I should be on like a normal road. You know, maybe it should be a normal highway, and me and this other car boxing. Yeah, there's you're just it's like a chicken race. So you're yeah, driving yeah. at the car, and when your glove hits their glove, you both bounce back like mm-hmm. like yeah. a mile. And if your glove <laughs> hits like the front of their car, it knocks them back like into reverse. And then you, but you keep going, so you can keep pummeling them. So you're steering and driving boxing, and you've got uh, the shoulder buttons can be used. To, to spring out with your boxing gloves to get an extra punch. Mm-hmm. And it would feel somewhat like Vin Diesel's The Wheel Man, which is actually a really great game, which uses the right analog stick to sideswipe cars and to also to rear-end them. Uh, you have car melee attacks. So uh, car melee attacks is a hugely untapped uh, uh, mechanic that if driving boxing would definitely have that. Yeah, you definitely want to hit cars from the side, and it would probably star James Dean, I think. Oh boy! Ooh. Uh, because he would he would death-defying driving box in his automobile playing chicken with other. Is James Dean public domain yet? I think he must be. Nice. So I th- I think I think there needs to be some element of human boxing in here also because I like the idea of someone trying to drive with boxing gloves on, um, and then like. Uh, trying to put their body out the window and punch another car. So that maybe that would be cool. Uh, how about if you use your boxing gloves too much? They kind of like the boxing gloves that are on your car. They fall off, 
and then you okay. have your, your last resort attack. I so like you have that. to drive punch. by the side of the car and punch them through the window, but that doesn't work. Uh, so in every race... You can't punch the car. guy through the window. You got to punch the car. I think yeah, well, I think you would only get say, you'd only race, get one of those. Because, one car uh, has to be American, and one car has to be from England or Japan. Right. Sure. So that so that you can punch each other. Um, what were you gonna say, I, Brandon? Oh, I was gonna say that uh, that you'd only get one punch because your arm would break off. So your you arm only, would you, snap off. Yeah. You only you only get one final last resort punch. And then after that, you have to, you have to drive. If you were driving an American car, you, next round you have to drive a Japanese car because uh, now y- you've only got your right arm left to punch with. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's pretty that's good. good. I don't, I don't, I don't want to break the arm off. I just want to make it go limp, like you broke the bone. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So how about okay. also you can drive by their car and you can punch their gas tank to make them blow up. That's good. That's really good. That's so good. It would be like pursuit force, except you wouldn't be getting out of the car. How about you have a passenger who also has a boxing glove? Okay. That could be I'll, player two or what? Yeah, well it could be player two or it could just be like another button that you, you okay. can have player two punch. One so of the that ideas. way you can punch the driver. Like imagine if you could control your girlfriend in outrun for punching. Yeah, you can make her punch the drivers yeah. of other cars. One of them be boxers. I want them to be shirtless boxers in the shorts with boxing gloves and everything. That like, is definitely something that would would happen. That would yeah, work. Okay. Okay. And so they make also sure that was clear. Football helmets. Um, for no. the sake of this sport, maybe. I mean, it's safer, but I don't think. That, but this is death defying. So why would you be? You're not defying death by wearing a bike helmet. I think they should be like completely nude. They should be like Chowaniki looking dudes with with the. Bikini briefs on. As long as there's boxing gloves. Uh, one one idea that I was briefly entertaining was, uh, in addition to boxing cars, you are also boxing the passenger in your in your seat, and you've got to switch between modes to punch punch the guy in the passenger seat and and then go back to car punching. You got to knock that guy out. Oh, that's pretty uh, good. Well, how about the driver company. in the other car can yank your passenger out? And then turn around and deposit his passenger into your car. Mm, sure. Now we've turned this into an eSport on par with a, a Dota. Yeah. Sort of thing. This is like this is a real sport now. I think okay, we, I think, we I think we've per- yeah I think we've perfected this game. We I can would rather on. play that game than most video games. Right. Period. I agree. Boss Fight Books is a publisher of novel-length analyses of video games, such as Earthbound, ZZP, and Super Mario Bros. 2. Sounds given, boring so far. Given mm-hmm. the opportunity, which game do you most feel you could write a book about? Hmm. Well, I've already started, too. Nice. So, um, I started, not for them, just on my own. I started books about uh, Super Mario Bros. 1 and about Secret of Monkey Island, and... Um, but I don't I don't like analysis as much as I like doing the equivalent of a Roger Ebert DVD commentary. Um, so a mixture of historical tidbits and insight and um, uh, and kind of putting you in the moment of what it was actually like to play the game at that time, which no one does ever for any mm-hmm. game. Like, no one contextualizes games, and that's so important to preserving what they are. Um, so 
that's that that's uh, oh no, it's the, the contextualization the police. It's them. They're <laughs> coming. Uh, yeah, I think a uh, man an analysis of any of those games would be a really boring thing to read for a long time. Um, so I definitely wouldn't want to do one of those. Um, uh, to be fair, I don't think all of those books are analyses. I think all five yeah. of them have a different approach, right? Oh, okay. Yeah, well, that's, yeah, that's what, what I understand as well. I actually got, like, four emails today about this Kotaku uh, excerpt from the Earthbound book. And I'm, I'm going to go ahead and read you guys the first three very short sentences of this. Are you ready? I'm ready. Of the actual excerpt. Of the actual excerpt. Okay, it's... Yeah. I mean, you have to pray to beat an emotion. Scott laughs. Yeah. How did this game get made? Okay, here's how the game got made. Uh, uh, the, the writer and director of it was a, a, a Japanese celebrity who was famous for writing stuff. Yeah. That's, that's how the game got... How did this game get made? <laughs> okay, I don't. I don't really want to read it any further past that. That's how. Like, I, I, I probably will later because I'm having too many people ask me what I think about it. But that beginning kind of put me off. But uh. Yeah, that's that's what I'm. That's exactly what I was afraid of with these books. It's not. It's not like let's actually analyze the facts around this game. It's like let's play this game and talk about our feelings. And I'm just not into that anymore. From what I understand, uh, acquaintance of the show Anna Anthropy is writing the ZZT book as kind of a prequel sequel to Rise of the Video Game Zinesters. That could be interesting. I mean, a book about ZZT is is actually a very good idea. Yep. Whereas, uh, I don't know, a novel-length book about Earthbound. People are like, why don't you write a novel-length book about Earthbound? I'm like, well, I wrote that one thing that was like 20,000 words. Is that not enough? Yeah. I need to write more than that. Yeah, you wrote an Earthbound novella. Trust me, people, you don't want to read a novel of that. So what would you write a novel of? Um, if I were going to do the kind of novel-length thing I want to see uh, recently, and this is... I, you know, I, I recently gave this explanation to somebody, uh, or this this advice to somebody else, and I think it's good advice. Uh, go go to a, a store like a grocery store and pick up a magazine on a topic that not only doesn't interest you but excludes you. Right? Like if right. you don't own guns, buy a gun magazine and read it. You know. Just to see what people who... Because you, you may think you know what people yeah. want to know about guns, like what gun people care about, but you actually read through the magazine and you can get some interesting sense for, oh, they're not exactly the type of people I thought they were, these gun people. Um, so, like, if, if I would suggest to anybody out here who's not necessarily interested in sports to look up GQ magazines, uh, this is on their website, their oral history of the Dream Team. The, the U.S. Olympic basketball team uh, from 1992. It's really, really good. And they interview all the players and a whole bunch of people and just seamlessly, uh, it's just a parade of quotes that kind of puts you right there in, in the Dream Team as it was happening, but as it's being looked back on 20 years later from these very interesting People, very interesting, very talented people. I would want to read an oral history 
in that style. It's a, that's the style that that is. Uh, oh, this is cool. Like, yeah, this reminds, like, I did the same thing with Nintendo Power. Did you see that? Yeah, yeah, I remember that. I remember that. I love this. Like, I'm, I, like when I did that, I was really inspired by Studs Terkel. Studs Terkel um, is the guy I was going to say. Like, you were saying Roger yeah. Ebert commentary. I would say a Studs Terkel sort of book. Uh, a yeah, Studs Terkel world history. So I would want to see that of, uh, uh, I would like to write, or, or not write necessarily, but see somebody write a, an oral history on the subject of video game level design, just in general, just interview a hundred level designers. Uh, but I would like to see an oral history on, and this is what I would do if, if I were writing something like this. Uh, uh, it would be on the Sonic the Hedgehog series for Genesis. Ah. So just the Genesis Sonic the Hedgehog games. Just interviews with all the people who worked on or tested them. I, would, I think that could be a really interesting thing to read because that whole Cola Wars time in video games mm-hmm. was right. a pretty neat time period. But uh, Tim, how did these games get made? <laughs> How did this game get made? Sonic, Sonic is exactly the one that I was also going to do, but I guess Tim will probably do it first. Uh, well, uh, is, is that the format that you had in mind, though? Uh, you can do it whatever format you like, as yeah. long as it's book length. I was talking. To, I was asking Brandon that question. Ah. You could do another format. I could do right. another format. Well, mine was going to be a lot of inter- interviews and, uh, uh, I mean, a focus on the... I mean, I guess it would have been pretty similar uh, style-wise. But um, so if I had to choose another one, maybe I could just talk about. Uh, it might be interesting to talk about the rise and fall of Sega or SNK as mm. uh, as companies and powers in the video game world, and um, you know how they were their their own worst enemies and these sorts of things. While I would rather read that than any of those books, I do like exploring uh, the the concept of how do you fill an entire book talking about one game. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, I so that would be, you know, it would be interesting to do that. Um, and, and I'm only saying that because I'm interested in, in your thoughts on that. Like, I would... I would how did this game get made? How did this game <laughs> get made? I think... Uh, I don't know. East. If you, if you got be... something to say, I'll I'll, I'll one up that. No, I, no. I was just saying East would be an okay. interesting one for me personally, but probably Valis would be my favorite, and nobody would care. <laughs> just do all of the PC okay. games. Topic number three: In an alternate timeline where 16-bit video game technology existed in the 1940s, what games would America make for kids to support the war effort? Hmm. Oh well, there would be one where Donald Duck was shooting Nazis. There would definitely be a Rosie the Riveter game. Mm-hmm. Maybe she, 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 would be, she would be riveting the heck out of stuff. Yeah. There would be a master. And, and the, the, the review from uh, Newsweek or whatever would be, would be riveting. Yeah. yeah. We got oh. there. We got there. Thank you. Um, I think uh, Capcom would have to come out with 1941 and 1943. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Pretty that good would games. definitely be a thing. It would have to be around then. Uh, now wait, wait, wait. Did, did did you specify America, Jaffe? I did. Oh, you did America. say he did say America. But uh, if you want yeah. to talk about Japanese war effort games, then go ahead. <laughs> 
the Germans would just make a tank simulator. Yeah, yeah it'd be really boring, but, like, yeah. really high-tech. Like yeah. the, uh, a Panzer Dragoon that was literally about a Panzer tank? Yeah. I, uh, I, think, I think Nazi Germany would have invented the Super FX chip. Oh, okay. It's probably true. You know, I think the that... The Uber FX chip. What, uh, what America would really do, probably, is make make games that are essentially like Cub Scout manuals that are like, here's, mm-hmm. here's, here's what to do in the case of a land invasion. Or, you know, these are the, the current, uh, you know, Nazi tactics. Presuming we have an X-band and maybe we can, uh, we can update our content. Mm. Um, yeah. Then, I, think, uh, I think that's actually true because if you look at... I know a little bit about animation history, and if you look at animation at that time, the U.S. government was actually sponsoring content that was produced by, like, the animators at Warner Brothers and at MGM, and and you have like, you know, you have Private Snafu, which was which was a, a government-funded character, and you get like cartoons directed by Chuck Jones and and Bob Clampett and stuff. So, I I think uh, in this bizarre world scenario, video games are kind of the equivalent of cartoon shorts. So I think yeah. Brandon's right on that that they would be sort of serious games by fun game designers about uh, safety and war and, and, and about lo- loose lips sinking ships and about dogs barking in Brandon's house. But yeah. uh, my, my answer here is very simple. It would be a game called Call of Duty Modern Warfare, but by mm-hmm. modern... They mean the 1940s. <laughs> so it'd be, it'd be Call of Duty 2, but it'd be called Modern Warfare. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then Call of Duty World at War would take place during World War One. But it's 16-bit, so it would probably look like cannon fodder. Or, uh, right. yeah, I'd play the heck out of both of them, too. Yeah. Oh, Also, but, there would be heck of Captain America video games. Oh, and Batman yeah. games. Oh, yeah. There would be mm-hmm. like Batman. Like they would totally have superheroes. Like you, they would have a Superman wins World War II video game. Definitely, I mm-hmm. think that thematically fits in with the way video games are made in general. Just the way video games have matured. I think, like they totally would have been like, yeah, we'd make a Superman goes over to Europe and destroys all the tanks and slaps slaps there. a few Japs around. Yeah, uh, and the Japanese yeah, they, games would be banned. Yeah. The Japanese games would be totally illegal. And then Sonic the Hedgehog would be, like, uh, basically, well, Japan of that era, like, Dr. Robotnik would definitely be the hero of the games. Right. Because he has a strong navy. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, I, I imagine instead of Sonic the Hedgehog, we'd get a similar Felix the Cat style game. Yeah, Felix the Cat would be pretty cool. Yeah. But, of course, he would definitely be killing people. Right. Well, in the '40s, Felix was kind of out of uh, the public light, actually. But really? uh, um, Disney certainly was not. Okay, so, so we, we uh... definitely we already mentioned uh, Donald Duck shooting Nazis, and that's yeah. probably true. Yeah. Yes. Donald Duck actually happen. did shoot some Nazis. Well, he was a Nazi in one cartoon. Yep, oh, I remember that one. Yeah. It Donald, was a dream. Nazi. Yeah. It was. It was called The Fuhrer's Face. That one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, man, I remember that song. Like, I when yeah. I when I yeah. used to go to my mom's work as a, as a kid, sometimes they would show this uh, this series of Looney Tunes. It was just like ten of them, 
and I, I, I feel like it was like the band ones or something, mm-hmm. because it had that, and it had the, um, the one where, the, like before Elmer Fudd, it was just like a stupid black person. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a like a racial stereotype with giant red lips, black guy. Yeah. And yep. uh, and, and he was like ex- actually he believe it or not he was not pre Elmer Fudd they just kind of pasted oh, right. that guy over Elmer. Yeah. Fudd. Yeah. Yeah. So like that, it, it's kind of crazy that those are probably the Looney Tunes cartoons that I've seen the most. <laughs> so so Derfuer's face is a song that I know the words to, which yeah. is yeah. like oh god. That's a weird thing. Yeah. Heil, Heil, right in the Fuhrer's face. Super right. duper Superman. Yeah. Uh, that's Chuck Jones. But none of these games are establishing uh, that we should buy war bonds. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm, well, there was... I'm sure that they'll have intros and things uh, that I do that. I think all of them would be power-ups. free. They would all be free with war bonds. Oh, right. Yeah, well, they would, they would also tell you to buy war bonds in the loading screens. Absolutely. Buy two because war uh, bonds. again, go, going by animation history, they they would they would just put right in the corner of the title cards like buy war bonds. So sure. we'd probably see those in loading screens. Oh yeah. Uh, so uh, c- continuing from a topic we started last week, what oh, was the second best year for video games? Oh man! So we decided '94, right? Yes. Then. Because there's yeah, and, really no well, other and then answer. we were saying '97 was maybe second best, but I, I, I might make a case for like 1999. Okay. That was the year that we all partied like it was. Like it was yeah. that year. That was that was when we were able to we party. Didn't, we in didn't the have to pretend manner. it was a different year when yeah. we partied. Yes. That um, year. That well, was you got the all year those party games and uh, and some PlayStation Two things that were of decent quality. Um, I don't know. I guess I'm mostly thinking about Dreamcast, and uh, I think the Street Fighter Alpha Two came out in '99. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Maybe. No, Dreamcast maybe that's wrong. That, that Sonic Adventure, and that was when, when we were able to go. Heck yeah, Sega's gonna do it. They're gonna you do know? it. They're gonna totally optimism. do it. This game's not as good as the Mario on Nintendo 64, but. They're gonna do it. They're, they're gonna. They're gonna figure it out. Yeah, uh, Street Fighter Alpha Three was uh, 1999. Yeah, uh, Alpha yeah, that 3 is a, That's it's actually the, uh, It's a pretty good one. It's good, but I think Alpha Two Gold is the best. But I, I think I may be wrong with 99. Um, what about 2007? See. That was Bioshock, man. <laughs> <laughs> actually, I'm uh, actually like in all seriousness, I'm I'm trying to. I'm looking at those years because I feel like one of my favorite times was sort of like DS and PS2. Okay. Kotaku had an article in 2007 that was, is, was 2007 oh. the best year Wait, ever? Third Strike years. was also 99. That um, is true. I was going to point that yeah, out. Third yeah. Strike is good. So I think maybe... 3S is what we call it. Okay. <laughs> Triple S. But also, Strike is such a cool S. thing to say. In, in 2001... We had um, Capcom versus SNK2, which I really liked, and we also had Eco. CVS2. Uh, CVS2. Well, I, I, just in case people weren't up on the nomenclature, I said it all the way through. But yeah, yeah you have Eco and CVS2. Those are kind of two ends of the spectrum for me in terms of what That's I was really interested in. That's 2001. I remember I was reading uh, 
I, I read the GIA.com a lot during the college CGA. years. Yeah, which, is back, yeah. which is back now, by the way. Yeah. Uh, and it's uh, Andrew Vestal has written what are basically like three really, really fantastic articles are on there already, and they're all really good. But uh, so I remember those years as being really good, especially like the 2001 time with the Eco because there were a whole lot of games that people like like Thigia were excited about, but not other places. And it was cool to be like on the cool club and be like, yeah, I care about Eco, because they were they were hyping Eco well before it was released. They were just like really excited about it, and I reckon oh, that's why anybody still cares about it now. Bejeweled came out in two thousand one as well. Oh boy! Oh whoa! That's pretty good. No one was playing it that first year, I don't think, though. No. Yeah, it was on what the Yahoo Games channel. To be fair. Um, Advance Wars also came out, and Silent Hill 2. Yeah, but there were uh, some oh, people argue that the uh, the the earlier Advance Wars games for the Famicom were better. Metal Gear Solid 2. Oh, also Halo. Right. What about that year that Bumpy Trot and uh, Disaster Report or Zetai Zetsumetoshi 2, aka Raw Danger, came out Trashy the same though. year? That was really good. I had a good time that year. It was a very good year. But, uh, guys, 2005 was Shadow the Hedgehog. Oh, boy. So, is that... I, have better? I ever told my really great story about Shadow the Hedgehog on this podcast? I don't think so. It's not that long. Okay. Hurry okay, up. so, there, uh, when I was in... Uh, when I lived in Japan, I was... Every once in a while... I had a real job, but every once in a while, uh, magazines would ask me to cover events for them. And... Uh, they would only ever ask me to cover events when uh, one of their reporters who they had intended to send was unable to get on the airplane and fly to Japan because they had a barbecue or a wedding. And uh, so one of them was the Shadow the Hedgehog, play Shadow the Hedgehog at Sega headquarters day. And Sega was like flying journalists in from all around the world. And I was like getting ready to get on the train to head to Yokohama uh, when I checked my email, and they're like, don't go to Sega. Martin is going to be able to cover it. I just gave the guy's real name, right? And then it's like, what, really? Uh, he he flew in from England to to do this, right? To to play Shadow the Hedgehog at Sega. Wait, Martin then, from England? Was this I'm not, guy? Yeah. Mart Mart okay. Anyway, okay. so then this was a, a British magazine. So that's like a 24 hours in airports. So months later, I read the story that he wrote because uh, I accidentally saw a copy of the magazine at Tower Records in Japan, and it was it was two pages. One page was a Q and A with Yuji Naka. It was about this long. Uh, it's a couple of fingers worth of length. And uh, the other page was the same picture they always show of Yuji Naka, the, like the picture of him from like 1989, and. Uh, it was obviously a picture that was at that time 16 years old, and uh, it was questions like, "What was going through your mind when you created Shadow the Hedgehog?" And it's like, it was really bad. And that's the end of my great Shadow the Hedgehog story. Yeah. Is that some, oh oh, and then the guy had taken a taxi from the airport, which is like $500 to get to Sega. So I'm thinking this is why video game magazines are all dead. All right. That's uh, my so, great story. I think that's a fantastic story. Second, second best year for video games. Final answer. 
It looks like we're going to have to have a devoted podcast to sorting out the best. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm going like, to say I'm, 2001. Yeah. My personal yeah. one's 2005. Yeah, uh, we're going to do. I'm oh. going to give you a quick list of 2005. Yeah, do it. Uh, Resident Let's Evil 4. Civili- yes. Civilization 4, Resident Evil 4, Shadow of the Colossus, Castlevania Dawn of Sorrow, Psychonauts, uh, WarioWare Twisted, which is by far my favorite WarioWare. That is a good really, WarioWare. I really got into Animal Crossing Wild World that year also. And Indigo Prophecy came out that year, and that was not a good game. It's really memorable to me. Didn't Phantom Dust also come out in 2005? Let me check. Uh, in America, it did. In Japan, it was 2004. So I'm thinking the last week of October, we're going to rank the last 20 years of video games. Jeffy, here's what I'm going to say. For. I'm going to tell you a thing. Yeah. Never promise a date that we're going to do something <laughs> on yeah, the please podcast. Do that. I, I I like to. Yeah, you can, but we're never going to do it because like you we're making just a keep decision doesn't mean people. we're ready. I, I I like to disappoint people. Okay. I like to get them all excited. It's like oh, I got to say, you? 2013 is a pretty good year so far. No, that's a joke. It's not. All it's right. got Shin Megami Tensei four. Yeah. Next topic. Other than yourselves. Which Me? fringe video game developers would you like to see at the helm of a AAA title? Me. Me. Sit other than yourselves. Tim. Um, there's a... There's Thanks, a... Frank. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, Bennett Foddy would be good. Yeah. Um, and I, I would also... There's, a, there's, there's someone named Andy McClure who did a really good game called The Shadowland Prophecy at the Molly Jam two Molly Jams ago, mm-hmm. and it was all about being um, in, like, the, the the title screen was the entire game, and the title screen tried to keep you there, and it was really awesome and neat. And uh, then she also made a uh, version of Anna Anthropy's um, Lesbian Spider Queens from Mars that was in 3D and had a really low-resolution look to it, and it was super awesome. It was basically like a no-firing FPS so uh, I think that would be a pretty cool person to put in charge of a thing. And you specif- specified fringe game developers. Uh, yeah. Anyone yeah. Okay. So wait, do we need to look up uh, Moby Games for that for the fringe game? There was a fringe game, right? <laughs> Roll. Yeah, I knew you were gonna go there. Um, I don't want to play a AAA game anymore. Um, you have to, hey, well, Frank. You know what, Frank? You you don't want to play a triple A game. Uh, well, it's it's not. Try it's to not, imagine on, me, the kind, there's there's got to be a triple A game you would want to play if it were made. Let me specify. Like I'm, I have such a hard time. I, I, I my favorite games of all time have been triple A games. Uh, mm-hmm. I just the 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 amount of effort it takes to like turn on my TV and play one of these for hours. I just it hurts me to think about. Um, Man, so. you know who's you know who's a fringe. A game developer mm-hmm. right now because he doesn't have a job is Cliff Blazinski. So that's who I'm. Wait, am I frozen? <laughs> no, you're, you're not frozen, Tim. What about uh, Keita Takahashi? Yeah, uh, I kind of would... like to see him given a huge budget and just like do whatever weird well, stuff you want. Well, actually, but then he might no, make Nobi Nobi Boy again. That happened. There was that game, that that like glitch game or whatever, that MMO that never came out that had a whole bunch of money, and it literally was. Keita Takahashi, tell us your weird ideas. And so then that resulted in that blog thing that was like 300 of Keita Takahashi's crazy ideas from this game. And you could see how all of those ideas were neat, but how they 
we're not going to make a video game that a okay, bunch of Okay, I don't want him in charge of a production. Yeah. Yeah, that I remember idea. reading stuff about that game. It was pretty fascinating how weirdly wrong everything went. It was. Um, who else? Michael Brogue would be good. How yeah. about uh, what's his face? Uh, Sonic level designer who's at Nintendo now. Hirokazu Yasuhara, that would be great. I mean, I would, Pete I would probably really is in charge of a AAA game right now. No, so. the, uh, the the studio he's at does really small Nintendo stuff. They do, like, menus and stuff. Well, he, um, he had uh, some pretty big influence over Jack 2, so that's a pretty good game. Jeez. Right. That like, I want, I want him in charge of something like that again. But, like, um, actually in charge from the beginning. He might... Well, maybe he doesn't do characters and stuff. I don't know. But I want to see the Pickford brothers make a triple-A game. That'd be cool. I want to mm-hmm. see them make something that's, like, really awesome and huge. I would, I would play that. I also want to see... I, I know maybe this isn't a fringe developer, but uh, Yoshiro Kimura, I would like oh, to yeah. see him make, like, a Shenmue-sized game with, like, that kind of stuff. Because I think he could make a better Shenmue than Shenmue. I agree. How about uh, what I would want. the Magical Ponycorn Adventures little girl? No, probably no. not. <laughs> She's too um, fringe. I think Takayoshi Sato, who was the um, art director of Silent Hill 1 and the director of Silent Hill 2, mm, yeah. um, he he's, like... I forget. I don't even remember where he's working now. He moved back to Japan, and he's... Oh, wait, no. Nintendo got him, too, right? Um, wait, they did, really? Nintendo gets yeah. them. Ah, uh-huh, Nintendo just buries them forever. Yeah, they, they gobble them up, and they, they just push them down. Oh, I would like to see a, uh, a AAA game by the designer of Valis. Uh, I don't know you what know that what would w- be. You know what I would like to see? Let's get serious here. I'd like to see a triple-A game by Treasure. Yeah. Mm. They've never really made one. No. They've sort of almost halfway made one. I'd like to also see a triple-A game by Grev. Mm-hmm. There you go. That's, that's I don't me. I know who Grev is. Who's Grev? G.Rev. G. Oh, they made yeah, that yeah, yeah. Kokuga game that just came out, and they also made Senko no Rond. Can we just uh, can we say Kokuga's is the so far game of the year for the Insert Credit Podcast because two of us have bought it? I haven't played it yet, but we ha- but it's true we both bought uh, you've it. You played it. No, I bought it haven't. last night. Uh, you you had like, played it in your soul years before you were born. <laughs> I think that's true. Yeah, we totally play some of it and then let's play deathmatch of it because I think it might be really fun. I would like to get the uh, the band back together for Wolf Team and have Wolf Team make a AAA game. It would have to be about wolves, though. Yes, <laughs> a team of them. Or else people would baseball. Understand. People, people would go. I don't get it. And you know what? There's, there's actually a ki- kind of a AAA game that that is made by some fringe-ish people that I'm looking forward to. It is, uh, it is directed by the the fellow what made Akira. Right. Um, Katsuhiro Otomo. Katsuhiro Otomo. I and like that is, guy. It is only written by Goichi Suda, which is a good role for him to have. And uh, it is the game director is the guy who did Tokyo Jungle, so I think that could be really interesting. I'm gonna tell you guys what about Goichi Suda is he has a Philco keyboard, Philco being the Japanese world-renowned, super loud uh, 
cherry blue switches keyboard. So mm -hmm. when he was uh, working on writing his games in the office, everybody knew, uh, and that was like maybe 30 or 40 minutes a week. Nice. He'd just be clacking like a monster. He had a beige one, which looked really nice. And then I had a, a blue one. Next That's topic. the end of the story. What is the best defensive item in a video game? Shield. Shield. What kind of shield specifically, though? Strong. A buckler. <laughs> in what game? I like a buckler, like a little small shield that I have to kind of aim it. Dragon Guard 2, there you go, has some of the best shield play in video games. Uh, it has one of the best feeling shields. I think we all agree about that. Right. Sure. I th I really like. I I think that counterattacks can be done really really poorly and usually are. But when one is done well, a counterattack can be a really cool defense. I guess that's not an item. Um, well, the shield in Dragon Guard Two has a parry. Yeah. Oh, there's that. I really also, like the way that I, I don't like it as uh, a mechanic. But I like the way the leaf shield in Mega Man was presented visually with a yeah. rotating, four rotating things around your character. I really like that. And they disappear. Oh, also, a Spartan Total Warrior, I bring this right. up a lot, has actually definitely the best shield play. But it's more of a Zelda-style shield play. But uh, it has the... You, you, you press a button to hold the shield up, and then you press the attack button while holding the shield to hit an enemy with your shield, which can knock him off balance. Uh, which is a cool thing to do. And it can also break his guard. And uh, if you do it while he's attacking, it can also super break his guard, which is cool. I'll tell you a thing that I don't like is um, temporary invincibility. Like in, in Sonic, it breaks up the flow and like it gives you a false sense of security for a certain amount of time. That, do you like that it in Bonk? I don't. Okay. No. So we, we were talking about this with this platform game that we're making over here right now. And, uh, like, my immediate solution, like, it, it was like a three-minute discussion. Like, do we have temporary invincibility when you get hit? I'm like, let's just make it one-hit kills and make that decision very early. And uh, then you just design the levels around that, and it's pretty cool. The end. Yeah, although, going back to Sonic, I like the idea of... The rings um, being a life meter, sort of. The thing. rings being a life, being at least a hit, and you can you can you can get them back right. right after you've been hit. I like that. The ring is a defensive item. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I like the ring as a defensive item. I also like rear rear shot in shooters like Thunder Force Four. It's not an item. It's but it's a shot that you can choose, uh, which is similar. So I I really enjoy. Uh, when games are designed so that that is a, th a thing that you want to do rather than feel like you're forced to do. I like being for I, I want to be forced to do stuff in games, though. That's a joke. I don't. Okay. Uh, so those things? Sure. Mm -hmm. I like those things a lot. All Actually, those things. I like them a little bit. Mm-hmm. How would the game publishing industry be different if it were run like the recording industry? Hmm. Well, it's kind of funny because I think 
this question a year ago, not a year, like five years ago, would have been funny to answer because you could be like, well, everyone's going to pirate everything and then all games are just going to be 99 cents in a store somewhere. Mm-hmm. And then that's yeah. how it is now. Um, so, well, uh, I think one thing that would be different is that we would have a true... A true democracy. Kind of collector's edition version of games because in in the audio industry I mean in the music industry vinyl has had a resurgence and uh, every every year since 2011 uh, sales have been higher than they were since 1992 uh, for vinyl because people like the big format of the art and they like they like the feel of the of the vinyl record and big formats and so, audiophiles say that it's it's you know better quality and frankly I don't think that's totally true anymore but it does have a nice uh, warmer feel to it and uh, we oh, don't have yeah. we don't have the equivalent of that in video games. Yeah, we definitely respect our past more uh, because we know how to keep it commercial. Um, games would stay in print rather than having you know, a two-month shelf life. And this is just yeah. magical fantasy scenario. There's no business case for this ever making sense. Right. Uh, well, other than digitally, I guess. But, um, you know, that's that's a big difference between uh, the recording industry and the video game industry. Yeah. Also, Although I guess that's really... I mean, we've kind of solved that now, right? Where, I mean, there's very little that's not kept available digitally unless, like, rights go away. Yeah. Although that's uh, that happened to Outrun, yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, unless rights go away, which they do, and then yeah, I'm glad I grabbed that when I had the chance. Yeah, that's what I wait. I wish that I had because uh, <laughs> I was just like I could get this later. I've already got Outrun 2006 and Coast to Coast here, so. Oh, did you heck? not get it? No, I don't have it. Oh, you suck! I know. That's so sad. It's really I, sad I, for me. That was like when I bought my new Xbox, that was the first thing I, I actually did was bought that. Yeah. But that was only because that was like the one game I played the most of all the games I had on my uh, old Xbox. Yeah. I played it a lot. I played um, it all the darn time. So I guess also in terms of music industry stuff, if we're talking about like Western music industry, then you would um, you would have superstars who not only develop games, but play them in front of large venues of people. Oh Uh, yeah, that's that's a thing. So you'd have like the creators of League of Legends, they were also the best at showing you League of Legends, and they would be playing it in an amphitheater. Me and and, uh, and Porter are planning to actually do that with Video Ball. We're planning to publicly exhibit video ball. You should do it with League of Legends. Yeah. Nah. I'm not as good at League of Legends as I am at video ball. I think t- I think Frank meant concurrent with League of Legends. Uh, yeah, no, yeah, I, I meant that, that Tim and Brent Porter should play League of Legends in a stadium. I don't think Porter's played League of Legends. Yeah, that's exactly why. I don't know if it would... Uh, I think I'd probably beat him because <laughs> I'm pretty good at it. Because you've played it, yeah. Yeah, I'm actually, um, I'm, oh man. The, you know what? The video game industry doesn't have this 
I mean, this is more Hollywood than recording, I guess, but maybe it happens recording. There's there's no uh, equivalent of, of, of a gross casting couch uh, phenomenon in, in the video game industry, I hope. Oh, I really hope. Yeah, I don't think there is. Yeah, I think we can leave that one alone. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to give some negativity to the recording industry. Oh, they've got plenty. Yeah, we haven't touched any of it. Right. Um, but I think we have a lot of the similar kinds of things where it's like an artist will do something and some sleazy executive will get all of the money instead of them. That happens in video games. We've got that. Oh, yeah, we already have that. Yeah. So there's actually some progressive-ish stuff happening. I'm going to tell you guys what. I got this iOS 7 on my phone, right? Mm-hmm. You know, just because I'm, I'm really cool. And... Uh, I listened to this iTunes radio thing, right? I got on iTunes radio, and I was able to find a station that had Brazilian music from the 1960s, which is something I like listening to. And I'm listening to this stuff, and I'm like, I've never heard this particular song before, and it's great. And I looked at it, and it was like 99 cents. I'm like, do I want to buy this song? I can buy it and have it in my iTunes right now on my phone. And I didn't buy it, but... The thought was there, and I know I probably will someday, right? I, I should look into this. So this iTunes radio thing on the on the new iPhone uh, is pretty cool. Yeah. So that's that's a thing. Uh, yeah, I, and, I wonder... Uh, is that a thing that video games can do? What do you think? Well, to do that, video games would have to be quicker, self-contained experiences. Uh, and, I mean, the recording industry is very much based on individual songs now, yeah. Uh, so it'd be kind of cool if video games became uh, quicker, bite-sized things that well, you're back, done with. Back and around like... the time of the, uh, the, the 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 beginning of the Xbox, the beginning of the very widely accepted downloadable demos era of video games, people like EA started really narrowing down their vertical slice. You know, your first 20 minutes of the game, where you experience a tiny bit of every mechanic that's going to happen, and you get a, a little bit of each layer of the cake, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, they were th- that was all minded toward the demo, the downloadable demo. So now that PlayStation 4 is going to have those, press a button to just start the game right up. You can play games as they're downloading and installing. And theoretically, there's there's this hypothetical Netflix of video games that they could make. Yeah. Maybe maybe that is a thing if the science and the the art converge a little bit. Yeah, if it's just like press a button and you're, you know, in the middle of an interesting part as opposed to going through all the loading screens and stuff. Yeah, like like they can they can make a copyrighted term, get a a, a taste of the game. Yeah, maybe there can be an equivalent um, a play okay. taste taste. They can call uh, well, a play taste. Play taste. Sony copyright that. Whoa, guys, exactly Apple like has released a MacBook Air software update to fix Wi-Fi connection issues, which has been plaguing my MacBook Air for two years now. So I'm excited about that. I'm going to get it right when we finish. Okay. Woohoo! Next topic. Design a video game to test the aptitude of government officials. Oh, man. I was just saying the other day, we were were watching Robot Jocks in my house. You guys know Robot Jocks. It's a movie about robots. That's the Pacific movie. Rim prequel, right? Yeah, it's a movie in the that's set in the future when war has been outlawed. 
and uh, all conflicts between nations are settled by two robots, which... I, I love those, those premises. It's like, okay, we've outlawed war, guys. You can't do it, and we're going to enforce this <laughs> by what? So, with, with a sport. So, I had this great idea where I would In like sport? to write... I would I would like to do a much straighter rewrite of Robot Jocks, where instead of war, there's this sort of political decathlon where all disputes between nations. Every nation has to pick a champion, one champion, right? And right. and this champion, and I'm I'm getting to the question. Don't worry. This yeah. champion has to face the other country's champion in ten events, and the events are like push-up contest, checkers, uh. Uh, chess, Tetris, like they have to mm -hmm. face each other in this this weird decathlon. They have to run a marathon as well, yeah. right? So you've got to have all these skills that each you know the, the the nation has to train a champion who is the best at all these events, and whoever gets the most of the and it would have to be like ten events so that ties are possible. And they have to, have to be like be sort of useless. Like it has to almost be a Jeopardy contest where it's like you haven't really proven anything by winning this. Yeah, but but chess is a pretty good one. It's like yeah, if, that's if, a real if one. If our yeah. if our country's champion can beat another country's champion at chess, you know, it's like we we've had these things going since the '80s. The whole Cold War, the whole right. uh, chess tournaments, right? Yeah, ping pong would have to be one. Ping pong, uh, uh, chess, poker. Mm -hmm. Poker one-on-one -on -one poker is not so exciting now, no, but uh, it would have to be all these these things. So I think design a video game to test political aptitude. Uh, as a person who has spent about forty hours playing League of Legends in the last two weeks, I think League of Legends is pretty much there already. You know, so it 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 exercises strong decision making. League of Legends would also be one of the the games in my my. Decathlon. No, video ball would be there as well. I think beer pong. So in this video game, beer pong, it would be those it. ten events. Yes. So it would be like a video game that that is just a very rigid, like, uncheatable presentation. H how about a video game based on uh, political aptitude in the real world, and not this thing, this scenario you hooked up? Well, I think mm. you could you could do a you could do a Phoenix Wright style. There you go, that's and, it. But you could also do one where people have to, uh, like, you, you have to make decisions, and everybody else that's playing also has to vote on the decisions that you've made as part of their mm. game, and you have to be, you have to go along with popular opinion while also trying to push your agenda through, so it's kind of a push and pull between, like, voting on other people's stuff and, uh, and getting your stuff voted on. My first uh, instinct when you asked the question was Civilization Clone. And I yeah. think I'm still there. Or Worlds with Friends, as Jaffe joked before the podcast. Mm -hmm. I think... Uh, worlds with Friends. I think you could have a, a, pretty, a pretty simple game that's like, do you hate humanity... Or rather, do you love yourself more than you love humanity? And if the answer is yes, then you win the political aptitude test. Woo! No, no. If the answer is no, you win. Because politicians have to be sociopaths who will lie. So if the answer, if you answer no, oh, even that's though true. you know that's the true. answer is yes. Right. Yeah, so in other good. words, the perfect political aptitude test 
is Shin Megami Tensei 4 with its demon negotiation. Demon you guys, are you familiar with demon negotiation? I am yeah. not. You have to talk to demons in order to get them on your team. Right. Like, you have to choose talk. And the demon will be like, I'm hungry, right? And you have to, you're looking at this guy, and you're like, which of these three choices do I choose? Give him some food, uh, tell him to eat you, tell him to eat himself, right? Right? Right. And so it's like, I told a guy, just eat yourself. And he goes, you're right, I'm made of meat, you're a genius, I will join your party, <laughs> right? And it's like, then I, that answer is not the universal answer, but you just have to think like a psycho and not care yeah. about um, the, the problem I have with games like that is, well, I don't know if it's randomized, but like you can't, uh, it, it feels like I would have to be, it compels me to stare at game facts constantly. It's like, oh, I got this guy, what do I tell him? Man, see, so the thing is, when I played Shin Megami Tensei 3 Nocturne, uh, I was looking at game facts a little bit, and eventually I realized that you can't really predict it nine times out of ten. It comes to a point where the demon's going to ask you for a gift, and so it'll be like, I want, uh, like, so there's this awesome-looking demon who's like, I want some of your life. Can I have some of your life? And then... You say yes, and then you like lose. You get you take like eighty hit points of damage, and he's like, "That's good. That's all I needed." And then he he just leaves, and it's like, "Oh, there's things like that." But then sometimes the same demon, you'll let him take some of your life, and he'll be like, "That's good. I'm full of energy now. I will join you." So you know, like looking at game facts won't help with those games. You have to just give up right. and give in to it. Uh, and then the I mean. Not to a certain extent, you have to give in, right. and that's how politics is. So that's why politicians should play Shin Megami Tensei Four. Who the heck knows? Who is Doomsday the Pete best of video games? Who's the who? The Pete Best. Pete Best? Yeah. I'm gonna look up who that is right now. He that is was... the original Beatles drummer. Yeah. Oh right. That got sort of asked. Uh, Hiro Yasuhara. Because he did all the work on Sonic yeah. the Hedgehog. Yeah, that's get, actually... Everybody gave Yuji Naka credit. I can't think of a better answer than that, actually. Yeah, that's a good answer. Oh, wait, uh, except except there's the Derek. problem of, is Pete Best actually better than Ringo Starr? Not uh, particularly. So well, Ringo Starr not... is a star, but Pete Best is is the best. Right. So. <laughs> He's the best of the Beatles. Well, that's, that's the name of the album he released after yep. he left the Beatles. The best um, of the Beatles. Because yeah. cause the guy who came up has... with that title uh, ran the video game publisher that published Journey based on the band. The, the video the game age. industry <laughs> yeah. The video game industry between the 80s and true. now is, is a citadel populated with, with fifth Beatles and Pete Best's uh, it's it's all people, uh, human beings who who have uh, contributed significantly and helped build things up from a foundational level and never gotten any credit whatsoever. Yeah. So yep. I think it's a really difficult question to nail down just one person. But I mean, Hirokazu Yasuhara went on to great success after Sonic the Hedgehog. It's true. Great success for the, the type of craft and attention that he desires. He but as, as a Beatle, he was not recognized. Yeah, he was not recognized as a Beatle, but was Pete Best really recognized as no. anything? No. Ever? Never. Well, yeah, that's that's the point, though. Like, to yeah. me, this question is, who's the guy who worked on something 
in the early days that's really good and that is not really associated with it now because he was replaced. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a good answer. It's a hard, it's a hard one though, um, because, like Tim is indicating, it doesn't, it doesn't, he doesn't have the same qualities of Pete Best, where it's like he did one good thing, one time, and then got replaced, and then that was it for him, pretty much. Yeah. Um, so that would, that would, well, I can think of people that are dead. Um. Well, the problem is it's hard to come up with someone else who's, like, part of a small core team, like like the old Sonic team. Well, I mean, Gu- Gunpei you know I mean? Okoye is definitely yeah. um, one of the early Nintendo dudes. He made, he, when Nintendo's game company thing was really small, he was really influential. People didn't know that much about him, really. And then he left, and or he was ousted after he didn't do a thing well. And then he went on to just have a design firm, and nobody really, like nobody really associated with him, him with the design of the Wonder Swan that much. Mm. Uh, yeah. Or other things, but then him being dead kind of changed. I think him before he was dead is kind of Pete Besty. Yeah. yeah. Sorta. <clears throat> it's a tough one. I think that's as good as we're gonna get, though. Okay. Okay. Uh, let's move on to the lightning round. Kay. We're going to be doing Apps to Apples, one of my favorite games this week. Oh, wow, Our... we're done already? Yeah. We were having so much fun. Yeah, it, time fun. flies, etc. Are we, are we et really done with that Pete Best question? I think so, yeah. Oh, because, I mean, I, I was sitting here racing through the uh, the replacement criteria, right. you know, the being replaced with somebody else before the thing was really famous. I keep thinking there's a really good example. Maybe, maybe we can bring be. it back later. I'm gonna, I'm gonna actually think about it because it's an intriguing question. Uh, maybe we can introduce a feature where you guys write down a question you like, and we could bring it back on a later show. Yeah, I thought we were asking readers to do that as well. Yeah, but they haven't been. Uh, readers you've don't got know nothing. Darn jerks. All right, so what we're going to do is we're going to play Apps to Apples, which is a game where I name an adjective, and you have to come up with the video game it best describes. All right. Yes. Uh, We're going to start now with Balmy. Um, (laughs) uh, Halo. Anything related to Xbox, I was going to say. I was going to say Halo 2 with all the teabagging. That's definitely a, a ball me situation. I was going to say, like, Steve <laughs> Ballmer. Anything developed for Xbox is ball me. Uh, joke. Wait, what? Wait, wait, I, oh, wait, I was thinking of a game that's ball me. Uh, man. I, I, I what about know. Yoshi's Island? It, it feels like... Uh, There's a lot of warm colors in it. Yeah. yeah. It does feel and, like a Steve distortional Ballmer effect. Production. Yeah. yeah. Lumpy. Lumpy. Man, I don't want to play a lumpy video game. Mm. But there are some. Oh, man, I was going to say a whole lot of stuff on that. Yoshi's Island also had pretty lumpy lumpy. uh, grounds at times. That's true. Uh, Gears of War is definitely the lumpiest game ever. Oh, yeah. Epic Shanghai assets. Those rocks look like they're just lumpy oatmeal. Uh, The people's faces look like the bump map is all (laughs) lumpy oatmeal. Like, you can see the acne... 
acne. It's a lump map. Yeah, there's acne <laughs> scars on Marcus Phoenix's face uh, or whatever it is. Uh, kind of Edward James. Everybody looks like Edward James almost with oatmeal. <laughs> Edward James oatmeal. <laughs> there's there's your podcast title. Husky. So, Husky. Husky. Think, uh, I'm just thinking about dogs. Okami. Not really. Well, yeah, I mean, that's good, too, but then, like, I'm, I'm going right back to Unreal Engine with people looking pretty husky, like it's like true. Commissioner Gordon in, in those Batman games. Looks oh, yeah. Husky. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's not necessarily Unreal Engine's fault, but I understand what you're, yeah. what you're getting. Marcus Phoenix, yeah. Marcus Phoenix is definitely I would husky. I would say Unreal Tournament. Uh, Unreal 3. The Unreal Tournament 3 is very uh, a very husky game. Right. Even because it's it's got a whole lot of lady characters in it who are fat princess, re- really beefy. No, that's fat, not husky. Sorry. Okay. Big boned no princess. Yeah. No, it's not BVP. Supple. Ooh. Ooh. Supple. Mm-hmm. For some <laughs> reason, I thought of uh, Bushido Blade. Um, Supple. I don't know why. Hmm. I don't either. <laughs> How about how about flower? Flower is pretty supple. I'm gonna say that I generally just I don't I wouldn't want to play a game that was supple. Not all of these are good things. Yeah, well that's what I'm saying. I, I'm so okay I'm just trying supple. to think of games that I wouldn't really want to play. I'm okay, moving on. Yourself, and I'm not finding anything. This is a lightning round. Come on. Still, yeah, it's lightning round. Lightning round. Uh, prickly. Prickly. <laughs> Mario um, World with that cactus. Yes, that's exactly. No, what no, Don- Donkey Kong Country too, with the the giant maze levels where you're flying around uh, on as a bee or on a bird with a parrot. Or those Mega Man just, sections where you got to fall down and there's spikes to the left and right and you got to. Have you seen those 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 bramble mazes in a Donkey Kong game? Yeah, Donkey nope. Kong Country too. That's pretty They that have looks, that in Diddy Kong Racing too, right? There's sort of some. But not as much as there is in Donkey Kong Country 2. Alright, I think that's right. That's a heck of a prickly game. Staunch. Staunch. Hmm. <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and say <laughs> well, I, I know uh, that word, I've seen that word, but I've never used it in my entire yeah, I haven't life. Either. I've never actually spoken that word, so it's not one that I think about a whole lot. Um let's maybe uh any like like maybe a patriotic game like a Call of Duty or something. Well, how I about mean, a Brothers in Arms game? Oh yeah, yeah that's one. pretty staunch. Because uh, they're what? Purple. Purple. Is that uh, a, a, somebody's going to say one of those Saints Row games? But don't say it. Knights. Knights is very sure. Purple. Knights. Yeah. Knights is good. I don't like that Saints Row co-opted the color purple. It's not fair. No, it's not. Bald. Bald. Hitman. Baldies for the Jaguar CD. Or Baldies. Yeah, I like Baldies. Go Baldies. Bonk! Yeah. <laughs> for God's sake. Oh, yeah, there's that too. Yeah. Frank. Frank. What? Um, Super Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> there you go. Frank, uh, Frank would be a game that is very serious and sincere. I would say that Out of This World is a, is a very Frank video game. It's like, here you go. Here it is. Yeah. yeah. Take I, was, it. I, I was expecting someone to go Monkey Island, but Super Sherlock Holmes is a better joke. Yeah. Lucky. Peggle? Peggle is definitely a lucky video game. Yeah. Angry Birds, you feel lucky. Any, sure. any mo- modern mobile game. 
Yeah. Any game with physics in it, like any that. game you rewind it up and watch it go, that's that's a lucky feel. Yeah. Indignant. How about a game of lucky hit? <laughs> Indignant. Uh, dig dug because you did. <laughs> there you <laughs> go, Mr. Driller. And, and finally, ending off strong. Good. 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 Bullet witch. Phallus <laughs> three. It's a good game because it does what it has to. I'm thinking good as opposed to. How about beyond good and evil? No, because yeah. that goes beyond, beyond good. good. That's yeah, that's, it doesn't work. Good, good is what? Isn't that good? Except so, that nothing in that game questions good and evil. So here's a joke. Good or why evil. is why do they call the game beyond good and evil? Shouldn't they just call it great and terrible? <laughs> <laughs> But then it would be a game about the Wizard of Oz. The Great right. and Terrible. Yeah. There you go. That's pretty good. Yeah, we've got some good games. Yeah, ended there. Ended there. Uh, and this, is, this has been episode 52 of the of the Insert Credit Podcast. The ICP. The ICP. <laughs> yeah. Um, you, you, we, uh, uh, thank you to our Come panelists. on, get it out. Get it out, Jeff. You can do it, Jeff. Thank you to our panelists, Violent J and Shaggy 2Dope. Uh you can follow us on uh, Twitter. Uh-huh. I'm at Alex Jaffe. Brandon's at Necrosofty. Uh, Frank's at Frank Cifaldi. Tim's Correct. at 108. That was an Insane Clown Posse joke, by the way. Oh. Uh... Yeah, those are the two members of Insane Clown Posse. I'd like to thank Blaine Brown, our sound editor. Uh, you can email us at podcast.insertcredit.com with yeah. topic suggestions with uh, questions you'd like us to revisit in future shows, with uh, votes for the best Super Nintendo game of all time. And uh, you, if you're listening to this live, you could hang out with us after the show. We'll answer some of your questions. Um, I'm Alex Jaffe. I'm Brandon Sheffield. I'm Tim Oh, Rogers. man, I think that might be the first time you got first. Yeah. I'm Frank Swelly. And now you're playing with podcasts. Podcast over, yeah!